Hello and welcome back to Horror from the High Desert. I am your host, Scotty Milder. This week I have my friend Mandy Connor back on. We're going to talk about a couple movies. We talk about the movie Suitable Flesh starring Heather Graham. That was directed by Joe Lynch. And we talk about the masterpiece film, The Invitation from 2015, directed by Karen Kusama. And then we do a pretty deep dive into the novel Old Country, which came out last year. That's, of course, by Matt and Harrison Query. Before we get to that, though, I do want to remind you about the show Nighttime Logic. This is, of course, the YouTube show. It's hosted by friend of the pod, Daniel Brom. You'll remember I had Daniel on last year to talk about his book, The Serpent Shadow. Daniel's also the author of the collection The Night Marchers and Other Strange Tales. His series Nighttime Logic, it focuses on the strange, weird, and wonderful side of dark fiction through readings and discussions with diverse authors from around the world. His last episode, of course, featured the great Brian Evanson. He's got some more stuff coming up at the end of February and the end of March. You can find that series on YouTube. It's at Danabrom7838 and of course I will provide a link in this episode's show notes. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, please go ahead, go to whatever streaming platform you're using, rate, review, subscribe, go ahead and give a five-star rating, tell your friends, spread the words, tell everyone on social media. And here we go with my Boston bestie, Mandy Connor. Listen, I have beef with you. Can we start? Can I come in hot on this? Yeah, come in hot. I think I know what your beef might be. No, there's, well, maybe you do. Maybe you know what you've been doing. Um, Every time you post a fucking promotional image of me, it is the worst fucking image (laughs) I've ever seen. It's like you intentionally try to take the worst screenshot you can. And I know what you're up to. I know you're doing this on purpose. I will fucking fly out there and you will catch these hands if you do not take a better fucking screenshot. Well, send me something. Send me something. No, I think what you're saying is stop making a dumb face. And like, I, I can't. This is a face I was getting. You're going to have to work around it. But like, we're going to we're gonna get to a place where like, when you take a screenshot, I just need you to run it through like 15 Snapchat filters first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah but anyway yeah. that's it that was my beef <laughs> okay yeah. no i thought you're gonna be beef with me about suitable flash but we'll get there. i also have beef with you about that we you will also catch these hands over that yeah. film recommendation yeah do we want to do we want to start there actually because i i want we can we, let's let's start like negative and then i think we'll end on a more positive note <laughs> um so i watched it too um it was my suggestion just because i it was like a mo- I was interested in. I didn't know that much about it, so I, I recommended you know, maybe we watch it. And I know you watched it before me, and you were not impressed. So tell us, I believe I was a little angry. bit about the movie and why you were not impressed. I gave it. it five clown faces up, which again okay. it aligns with our arbitrary rating system that I think we've changed <laughs> every time we've ever met. Um, I love our format. We usually pick like a really awesome book and a really awesome movie. One of us picks one, one picks the other, and we talk mm-hmm. about it. Not that hard. This time, well, it just, I feel for Heather Graham. I think Mm -hmm. she's making some bad choices and I want someone to intervene. Like this Mm -hmm. was so bad. It was so bad. (laughs) Like I'm struggling to find the words to describe why it was bad. It It was bad acting, which is not necessarily all Heather's fault. 
There were a lot of bad actors in this. The storyline was just it, like, I, I couldn't follow the storyline. There was no motive. Mm. There was no like, so, all right, let's talk about the concept. Why don't you describe the concept of the movie first? Yeah. So it's been, this was partly why I was uh, interested in it. It's, it's uh, written by a guy and I have it pulled up. Hold on. Uh, uh, Dennis Paoli, who is known for having written the movie Reanimator and From Beyond, which were directed by Stuart Gordon back in like the 80s, I think early 90s. I'm not sure. But he did Reanimator. Reanimator messed me up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. So, so this is supposed to be like a spiritual successor to those movies, but Stuart Gordon has passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't direct it. So, it's ba- so again, it's based on an HP Lovecraft story, it's based on the thing on the doorstep. And the concept is Heather Graham plays a psychiatrist at Miskatonic Medical School in Arkham, Massachusetts, which is very Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. And then this young guy comes into our office and he's like panicking. He's like, I need your help. I need your help. And then he sort of like has a seizure in front of her and then turns into like another person. And then so now she's like fascinated by him because she thinks it doesn't have like multiple personality or something. But she's also like got the hotness for him, mm-hmm. uh, which is not ever particularly well justified, <laughs> I would say. Um, and then uh, and then it's about her like trying to figure out what's going on with this guy and meeting his like fucked up father. And then you realize it's like a body swap kind of demonic possession sort of thing uh and if anyone knows the thing on the doorstep they know the basic concept comes from that but it, but the movie goes in some very different directions so it's it's basically I'll go ahead and spoil it. i mean it's a couple years old it's basically um the father is like possessing the son who then possesses her and then so it's it's like but it's like a spirit it's not even just the father. yeah it's not yeah yeah he first possessed the father then moves to the son then moves to her and then yeah and it's this um, like asexual or or non-gender based being because at one point they say right. you know she says okay you're a you're a demonic being or you're a spirit and you inhabit different bodies are you male or female and it's like i don't know i'm so mm-hmm. old i've forgotten and that's that's cool. Like we get it. It's a very ancient spirit, and a body jumps. My issue is it's not a good concept, and right. it's the same with it's the same with the the Lovecraft story, which is not one of his best stories. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, there's a good concept there, that, and the execution's not great. Yes, the execution was the problem here. So, yeah. Heather Graham already did not bring her A game to this movie. No, she really. Unfortunately, she really didn't. And I've liked her in other things, but this was not her best. Totally not her best. And then on top of that, you're she's surrounded by just really painfully bad acting. And I'm not a fucking actor. I I don't sit on the academy board. But I mean, I just it was bad acting. It was like distractingly bad mm-hmm. acting. You know. Mm-hmm. So then you've also got like just really bad like script writing and just everything about it was so awkward and didn't carry the storyline through. And then there were also parts of it that not to get like super feminist about it but i i took issue with the fact that every time the spirit wanted to jump into her body it was through like a sex scene versus that that was a little bullshit why is it the spirit entering? because it wasn't happening to the dudes right Right. it was every time the spirit wants to jump into her body it's through sex but every time it jumps into like a guy's body it's through this incantation and i was like some bullshit right there right Um, that that i definitely clocked as a like okay okay this is just an excuse to like 
like get Heather Graham in some sex scenes. Right. You know, like I looked her up. She's like 53 years old. She looks great. Good for her for like still like being willing to do that kind of thing. But like do it in a better movie because like I think I like the movie a little bit better than you. And I'll, so I'm going to be a little bit the devil's advocate but like only like a little bit <laughs> you had said in your uh, text message you were like you thought it was kind of unintentionally funny i yeah. think i think the humor is a little bit more intentional than that and, the, and i and the only reason i'm saying that is because i know it's the guy who did reanimator mm-hmm. and like reanimator from beyond they're like famous like over the top splattery b-movie kind of horror comedy from the 80s so this was like i think trying for that kind of thing but the problem is it never committed to that so it kind of ended up in this halfway like is it trying to be funny or is it not like i felt like the script is trying to push it in that direction but the director who's i don't know much about his guy named joe lynch he didn't really commit to like if you're gonna do this you gotta go like full stuart gordon and like Stuart Gordon, if you've ever watched Reanimator, like you said, it messed you up. I mean, it's famous got the like uh, severed head cunnilingus, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that. You have to commit to that, you know. Mm-hmm. And this movie just never quite did. It was like trying. It was trying for this '80s nostalgia vibe. You know, have Barbara Crampton who was in uh, Reanimator. She plays the other, the the other. I, I forget the character. Uh, Doctor Ogden, I think. And, you know, it's good to, I'm happy to see Barbara Crampton still doing stuff, you know, but like, I think she like co-produced it. Yeah. Um, but you needed to get like, a director who's like really just going to like fucking go for it. They just didn't. And so, mm-hmm. so that's where I think it ends up in that, like you said, this like awkward place where it's like all the things that would work in an over the top zany B movie just feel like bad acting, bad writing, kind of, you know, you know awkwardly paced. You know what aggravated me is that there wasn't, um, I don't know if I missed it, but I feel like there wasn't a motive for why this spirit was just body jumping through space and time. It was like, no, really it wasn't. was like, I don't know. I just inhabit bodies. And I'm like, well, what are you trying to do? Are you trying well, to he's, do? He's basically just trying to be a dick. Like he just jumps into your body and then says like real nasty, like mean things. And then like, like, I want to come in you or whatever. And then it's like, okay. <laughs> weird demon dude like yeah what's your motive sir like what are we trying to (laughs) there was was just it was just like well i'm just a spirit and i just jump around body and i was like okay it didn't feel like there was a start and end to any of this it wasn't like okay we've defeated this body jumping demon we found right secret lair like there was none of that it's no like culmination it was like i don't know i'll just keep jumping through bodies yeah yeah no i agree i i think like i think i see the movie that it was trying like it could have been if it had really like gone for the like kind of zany b movie vibe Mm -hmm. and it's got a lot of like you know it's got a very 80s movie vibe to it it's like a real cheeseball kind of 80s like score Mm -hmm. you know so it's like they're trying for that nostalgia but then they just they needed to like it's like they got 60 percent of the way there and they needed to go like 110 percent because I think if it had just been like obviously meant to be like uh over the top and silly, then I think you know, okay, you get that's what this movie's doing. But it, it wasn't it wasn't obvious that that's you know, what this is doing. why I like having these conversations with you. I went into it with no backstory. I don't mm-hmm. know a lot of directors and producers and like I right. I do no research going into movies. Like I do the mm-hmm 
pure, you know, head in the sand approach to watching a lot of these movies, you have the backstory. So you know what they were attempting to do, you know, like the other movies that came from this, so you can be more forgiving of it, which I mean, I, I appreciate somebody's got to be good cop, somebody's got to be bad cop. Sure. Nothing about it. I I had I had well, remorse over my um, me. I think the the problem is a movie like this shouldn't depend on like being like a nerd like me who like yeah like I've met Stuart Gordon I met him at a film festival you know it's like you should be able to go into a movie like this and like not know anything about it and just like enjoy it mm-hmm. and it's like I could enjoy a little bit of it because I was like okay I can sort of see the references to Reanimator and what they're trying to do and they're just but if I didn't know any of that stuff I would have been like what the fuck is this movie mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I think that's that's a failure of the movie. That like it shouldn't only append to like dark wads like me. You know, like it should <laughs> it, it should it should have <laughs> it should stand on its own. You know. <laughs> um, you know what's funny? You, I mean, I didn't realize now that you're saying that it's from the same guy who did Reanimator. I I saw Reanimator when I was way too young. I want to say. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. What What year did it come out? Do you know? I mean, it was mid. It was like eighty five, eighty six, something like that. Yeah. See, that makes sense. I would have been like um, four. (laughs) (laughs) I think I saw it. I I was probably not quite in middle school, so I was probably like eleven or Mm twelve. Yeah. Which is like a weird because that's like you know I'm a boy just about to enter puberty, and like one of the first (laughs) sex scenes I've ever seen is this like severed head going down on a screaming (laughs) woman. Like that's not great for development. Yeah, it's uh, but I love Reanimator. I mean, it's, and I've seen it, I've seen it a bunch of times. But it's like it's like a movie like Evil Dead. You know, yeah. you take it as what it is. You know, it's very much a relic of its time. I think it was self-aware. It, they knew what they were trying to do. Yeah, I felt like this movie just didn't. It like had some of the self-awareness, but not enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted more winking. I wanted more like kind of a letting me in on the joke kind of thing. You know? Right. Yeah. It's saying like, we're on that too. It's okay. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rather than like sort of half trying to genuinely be a scary movie, but then like with this like goofy soundtrack and like you said, kind of bad acting and Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I'm disappointed because, you know, uh, Heather Graham, I did, I, I think you liked it better than I did. There was the, um, the recent adaptation of The Stand. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and m- mostly because of the way they juggled the timeline yeah. on it. But I also like, you know, Heather Graham was in that and it was just, again, I felt like the, the show kind of stranded her. Like it didn't give her enough to do so she's just kind of like oh the sad rich woman in new york who like can't handle the apocalypse and there was like no other levels to her you know was she needing no she's um was it rita rita blakemore oh right 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 right. that's right that's yeah. why she i i didn't remember her having a huge role in it um see here's the yeah thing. she's I, not in it right i now. know heather is capable of more i've seen her in things that i like her in. oh yeah this she's felt, a, she's a very good actor not to be an absolute uh, bitch about it this felt like beneath her i was like yeah. i couldn't name a single again she, heather graham strikes me as like a pretty big name actor i didn't uh-huh. know any other actors in this i thought the acting was like super duper bc level i don't know i was like yeah. oh, i feel like she can do better you know yeah no i i do think well and i and i think she was like poorly directed i think the character was very poorly written they do not motivate her like having the hots for this like kid 
right. that comes in. Like, it's just all of a sudden she's like horny for this. Like, dude, like, it's like the moment he talks mean to her, she's like, ooh, I want to fuck it. And it's like, <laughs> you need, I, mean, I get that you're a B movie, but you need to, like, give me a little bit more than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I will say the one performance I did like was Bruce Davison, who plays the, the father, you know, with the stroke. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He could have been, he's, he could have had a bigger role. Yeah. Yeah. He's not in it much. And he's like a very much a like he's one of those actors you just see everywhere mm-hmm. all the time and like always very good, but like often not in good movies. And I think this is just like another one of those. So but anyway, so that's suitable flesh. We can probably move on from Well, that so one. after I after I, I rage texted you, you course corrected and yeah. <laughs> what did you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um well do we want to talk about the book or the movie first let's finish up talking about the movies let's let's keep it okay let's keep the spotlight on you scotty what okay <laughs> so i decided to go with one that i had uh, seen before that's actually one of my very favorite movies of like recent years um the invitation by karen kusama which i thought there's more chance that you would like that one i <laughs> fucking loved it and you know it's funny yeah. i forgot that i had watched it like a year ago, when you recommended oh, yeah. it to me a year ago, and the rewatch was even better. This is mm. this is this checks all the boxes for me. It was like great acting, storyline that wasn't obvious. I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know what was happening. You have inklings, like you're feeling uncomfortable, and you're like, okay, I vaguely know where the storyline's heading, but I have no idea where this is going to wrap up or how far they're going to take it. And it was fucking awesome yeah it's one of the most paranoid movies that's been made in recent years because mm-hmm. you really don't know like is it in his head like who who is gonna lose their shit like you know it's gonna end in something bad and violent but it's like which side is that gonna come from so we should i'm actually not sure how many people have seen the invitation i know it's like very like critics loved it um and i think some of the fans have kind of discovered it but it seems like to me, a movie that's not talked about enough. So I love that it's a test of how long you are willing to be polite in polite mm-hmm. society, even when you are crawling out of your skin with discomfort. When you know there's something deeply wrong. Yeah. At what point do you be impolite in a situation <laughs> where everybody's forcing you to be polite, even though you know that everything around you is wrong and you should leave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So do you want do you want to give a little bit of the plot setup or should I do? It? Uh I mean, you do it. This is your movie. Okay. Um, so it stars Logan Marshall Green and it's him and his girlfriend. They're they're like LA hipster types, kind of Hollywood Hills LA hipster types, who have been sent an invitation to a dinner party from his ex-wife, who he hasn't seen in a couple of years. She's remarried to someone new. And so he and he's kind of reluctantly going to this dinner party with a lot of old friends that he hasn't seen in quite a while. We can tell he's not in a good place emotionally. We don't really know why. They go to this just amazing mansion up in the Hollywood Hills and have this dinner party with his ex-wife and her new husband. And one thing we learned throughout the course of the movie, kind of through flashback, and I don't think this is really a spoiler because we learned it pretty early, is that part of the reason why they split up is that um, they had a young son who was killed in an accident. And she, in particular, the ex-wife kind of really just didn't handle her grief well so she ended up running off to mexico joining the self-help group and that's where she meets her new husband who's played by the guy who plays i'm forgetting uh dario Naharis on uh uh game of thrones i forget the actual actor's name yeah is it really yeah oh no yeah. kidding okay <laughs> yep 
but they uh you know she she's met this guy who's like I think he had lost his wife. So that's why he joined the self-help group, which a lot of it's about dealing with death and dealing with grief. And now they're like putting on this dinner party, which we very quickly figure out is like, oh, this is like a recruitment thing for this like self-help group, which also seems like it might be a little culty. And then as we go, we don't know, as the story progresses, you don't know Okay, is all the things that we're seeing that seem threatening, is this because it's through Logan Marshall Green's eyes and he's, like, paranoid and kind of losing his mind? Or is it there's something really bad happening here? Yeah. Um, you know who else is in it who I absolutely adore is um, John Carroll Lynch. He's so fucking good in this Oh, film. my God. Also, he is an actor that I, I feel like his horror work isn't celebrated enough. Um, mm-hmm. If you've ever watched uh, Channel Zero... Um, oh, yeah. I love him in the channel mm-hmm. the channel zero series like he's so good at being creepy without like i don't know his his creepiness is very like subtle and he really owns it i think he does such an amazing mm-hmm. job in like the horror creepy genre he's almost got a vibe similar and, and so a role that like a lot of people would recognize him from is it's a very small role but it's what he was kind of known for for a long time is uh marge's husband in fargo Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah. the guy who's like painting the ducks or whatever and uh but you see him in a lot of indie movies and he's almost got a vibe that's similar to david harbour uh from stranger things sort of this big hulking dude who's like a little bit got this like dark energy to him but also got this like kind of teddy bear quality to him totally. and so you're never quite sure like what side of the coin he's gonna land on he, like looks know? so sweet and happy you know but the right. thing he says, and he's like, got this very like smooth kind of way of talking yeah. you know just very very soothing and you know yep. Totally. And he's one of the the self-help people who has been invited to the party that Logan Marshall Green doesn't know. Yeah. And he gives him a, a monologue about why he joined the self-help group that I don't want to spoil. But it's among the fucking creepiest things. Yeah. That is that is the point. That's the point. That's the point where I I remember thinking like, God, what is the exact point at which you say, thank you for a lovely evening. I will fucking see myself out. Yeah. That's the fucking point. Goodbye. And the fact right. that everybody politely stays because they don't want to be impolite and leave this dinner mm-hmm. party after this guy drops this like horrific story on everyone it is like such a testament to like how far humans are willing to go to be polite in the face of like a right. situation, you know? Well, and it's, and one thing I really responded to about this, now, I never was part of that, like, upper crusty, like, L.A. life, you know? Like, these are clearly people with money, mm-hmm. you know? But I lived in L.A. I've been around L.A. hipster types. I know the culture. It's a culture, like, the joke about L.A. is, like, no one ever says no. Like, if you hear the word maybe, that means no. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, if someone says, hey, buddy, uh, that means fuck you, you fucked up. <laughs> Like, like if your boss is like, hey, buddy, can we talk? Like, that's like, you're going to get a scolding. Yeah. Like, it's a very passive aggressive culture out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I just felt like the invitation captured that so perfectly. Yeah. Like, it felt like it's, it, like you said, it's, it's a horror. It's the horror of politeness. Mm-hmm. There's another movie that came out that's uh, a Danish film or, or European film, I think it's Danish, uh, came out a year or two ago called See No Evil. That is, or is it See No Evil or Speak No Evil? Oh, speak, no, it's Speak No Evil. Speak No Evil. That is like similar in that it's the same thing of like, how much weirdness are you going to tolerate because you don't want to rock the boat? 
Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but that feels like very European. And yeah. this one is so LA. They are doing, like, they're doing an American version of that movie. Are they? Yes. That is coming out. Ooh, I in the next wonder how that'll though. translate. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fucked up movie. But yes, you're totally right that in the, in the wake of like, you know, her, like horror happening all around you, nobody wants to be impolite and leave the fucking dinner party. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's that moment where he tells the story. And it's a horrifying story, but he tells it in a way where you do kind of feel some empathy for him. Because it's like he talks about this horrible thing he he did, but then he's also like, but I know it was horrible, and I've like paid my debt to society, and like I'm becoming a better person, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, but are you, are you really, like, do we trust that? Right. You know. Yeah, he's a great Um, actor. I love him. Yeah, he's. He's he's the best thing in this movie, and there's a lot of good performance. Like, whereas, uh, like you said, Suitable Flash, there's really not. There's like one sort of good performance from Bruce Davison. Mm-hmm. The Invitation is like they're all really solid performances. All great performances across the board. The, the storyline is so tight, and it moves at such a good pace. Like the the discomfort starts from moment one. The fact that they're going right. to a dinner party where his ex-wife has invited them, they've lost this child, like all of that, you feel the discomfort and it just never eases up. It is like the whole time my heart was just like tight, even though I I knew the second time through what was going to happen. You just, you're feeling this discomfort the whole time, but there is no release from it. And you just desperately want somebody to get up and leave the dinner party. And even when he tries to, he's thwarted, right? Yeah. Well, and it's it's that thing of like you know everyone's so polite except for him. Yeah, and he, like he he's the one it. who's like not quite playing the game. And he tries to call he tries to call people out. He's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And they try to gaslight him into being like, "Yo, yo, yo, chill. We're we're just having a good time." Right, and like everyone, and that's the thing is like, and I I there's I'm not gonna go into details because of someone who may be listening and they'll know that I'm talking about them and their situation. So, but there was a situation of a friend of mine involved in a relationship. This was years ago. Mm -hmm. that everyone was like we were all like what what are you doing Mm -hmm. like why 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 are you doing this but like nobody would say anything Uh and i remember feeling like am i crazy because everyone's acting like this is okay and this is normal yeah and then finally it was like slowly people being like this is fucked up right i was like yes okay thank you You (laughs) but i felt like the world was gaslighting me because i'm like why am i the only person that notices that this is like not this is not great like this is not a good situation you know and like that's kind of how i felt about this movie where it's like he knows and we notice through his eyes that there's something wrong but like you said everyone's gaslighting him yeah. Whether they mean to or not, like even the other people who are just dinner guests who are like trying to kind of go along to get along, we're all telling them to chill out. And then you you really do like start to wonder like, like he does, like, is it like, am I just imagining yeah. this? And like, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, it, when it uh, goes off the rails, it's, it is immediate and abrupt and you're like, okay, now I see where this is going. But yeah, um, yeah it's not gradual when it does take that left turn, but up until that point, it is this delightful slow burn where you're just like, Jesus Christ, somebody say something or do something yeah. or leave the room to release this energy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also like gorgeously shot in yeah. this one location. It's an amazing location, this house. It's got the very final image. And again, don't want to spoil anything, but there's one wide shot at the end yeah. that I remember watching it and it almost made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Because then you realize the implications of what has just happened. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is, like, this is bad. 
fucking um, great movie, great storyline, great acting, great shooting. Yeah. Like everything about it checked every box. You were right. Like phenomenal movie. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the best. I mean, a lot of people, like it's an open question. Do you call it a thriller? Do you call it a horror movie? I put it in the horror movie category, but yeah. you know, it, it's, you can describe it however you want, but it's the best movie like this I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah. And I haven't seen anything that I've thought. I mean, the only movie that kind of came close was Speak No Evil, but that one was so dark and so unpleasant yeah. that, like, I, I'm like, I can't watch that one again. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I'm not sure I would want, I mean, I'll watch the American remake because I'm curious, but like, that was like, oh, definitely one timer movie for me where I can go back to The Invitation. You know, you know it's, the, it's a movie that I can re, re experience. The Invitation, I'm not going to say it ends on a positive note because it doesn't. But it has, like, it's, like, there's a sense of relief, even though it is also, like, a a horrifying relief. Like, there's, like, there is a release. There's, like, a a relief in the end. Yeah. Like, we get answers Uh at the end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes movies like this don't want to, and I'm I'm notorious for, like, in my stuff, I never want to give answers in my fiction, in my movies. So I was, like, the, like, really frustrating ambiguous ending but like this movie needed to have some like solid answers at the end it ties up <laughs> and you feel you feel yeah. fulfilled it's it's a rewarding ending like highly rewatchable like watching it the yeah. second time through i had even more fun than the first time through yeah yeah it's really and so just a little bit more background on the movie just for people who don't know much about it so it's directed by karen kusama she's known for she started as an indie movie director back in the early 2000s the movie called girl fight and then hollywood fucked her over for a few years she she directed the aeon flex movie with charlize theron that was real bad but it's clearly that was like a studio interference kind of situation and then she went on to do Jennifer's Body, which at the time oh. failed, but has definitely been rediscovered That's since. It's a cult like, classic in my mind. It's a cult classic now. Yeah. But at the time, it was like critics didn't like it. It didn't do very well. People were very focused on the fact that it was Megan Fox, and there was a lot of like hatred towards Megan fucking Fox at the time. fun movie. It's a it's fucking great. fun movie. Yeah, I'll die on yeah. that hill. It's a fun movie. Yeah, well, it was written by Diablo Cody, who like, you know, who did Juno. Yeah. And, like, I don't, like, I know a lot of people, like, don't like her as a writer, kind of the way, like, they don't like, what's her name who did the show Girls? I'm oh, Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. Yeah. It's like, Diablo Cody was a little bit like Lena Dunham before Lena Dunham. Okay. And there was, like, a definitely backlash to like her style you know yeah but i always really enjoyed her i've always enjoyed her writing Um, you know what i feel like there's a self-awareness to it like yeah like the humor is in like it's that dark humor it's it's intentional you know right it's not an accident and i i love that about her movies yeah because the the movies i think of obviously juno jennifer's body and then instead uh young adult with um i think it was uh Patton oswalt and charlie Theron. yeah which is like little less known but also a very good movie i'm not sure what she's doing these days but so yeah but yeah karen kusama apparently like when uh kind of going into the invitation she was just really frustrated with her career because like she had done Aeon flux jennifer's body had done that well you know she had like come out of the gate strong with girl fight and then things kind of weren't weren't like panning out and so she actually the script is actually written by her husband co-written by her husband uh phil hay and her whole thing was like i just want to go do like a small indie movie 
and just like do it on my terms and the production company that got, and i'm forgetting the name of it but the company that funded the movie it was like formed essentially to a fund movies by female filmmakers so you know she was able to do that i think it was made for like a million dollars or something like some ridiculously low budget and it kind of put her back on the map like like it wasn't like a huge box office thing but i think the critics really were like noticed it so like uh she's like directing you know episodes of like yellow jackets and stuff now yeah like she did another movie that I have not actually seen uh, that starred Nicole Kidman. Uh, it was like a cop drama, I think. That's supposed to be really good. Um, the only unfortunate aspect of this movie is the title, which is generic. And when you Yeah, search, and there's like you, several movies. When you search for the invitation, yeah, there's like a dozen movies that come up. And the top one that comes up is like a vampire uh, slasher flick, you know? So Right. Well, I know they shot one here in New Mexico just a two three years ago called the invitation (laughs) might be the vampire slasher one for all i know i don't know yeah um but yeah no when you're watching be sure you're looking for the movie from 2015 directed by karen kusama yeah that's the one you want to watch great like five stars awesome fucking loved it will rewatch. absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i could see this becoming like a comfort watch for me because it's just fun yeah yeah it's it's one i don't know if i call it a comfort watch but it's one i rewatch i mean it came out in 2015 i rewatch it probably at least once a year mm-hmm. yeah loved it yeah cool um cool. i right. talk about my book so you texted me kind of out of the blue and we're like you have to read this yeah um, and then a few and days I later heard of it well, no a few days later then i called you screaming at 11 o'clock at night and i was like are you reading the goddamn book <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and I hadn't heard of it, uh, surprisingly. And so the book is Old Country. It's by Matt and Harrison Query. I think a lot of people know about this book. It's, it's gotten a lot of buzz. But I had somehow missed it. So, Well, this was an audible recommendation for me. I, as I've said before, I do, I'm a busy person. I, I don't have the time to sit and read. So I listen to books on tape. Uh, right. Some of the, I, I loved whoever read this book. I don't remember who it was, but great storytelling, great inflection. The backstory to this, and I don't know these authors from anything else. I think this is uh, pretty early on in their... This is their first novel. I know one of them has worked in film before. The other is like a lawyer. Okay. So yeah. the story is a young couple, late 20-somethings. They move out of the city. They move to, is it Upper Colorado? It's No, the, it's it's like the the or, uh, Idaho Panhandle. They move from uh, Denver, but up into like northern Idaho. Yes. And, and the whole idea is that they want to move, not off the grid, but they want to really move out to like, they don't want to see right. any neighbors around them. They want some nice, quiet solitude, get back to the land. So... That's what they're doing. And they're like, a, they're like cool, hip 20 something year olds. They're not like, um, you know, like, I don't know, dumb couple. Yeah, they're not. They're I mean, he's, he's a vet. Like he's, he's uh, had served in Iraq or like, yeah, I think it was Iraq. It was it Iraq or Afghanistan? Afghanistan. Remember, but anyway, yeah. Afghanistan, right. He's returned, you know, Marine Corps. He's got his, you know, recovering from some injuries and stuff. But they're like, like you said, like they're they're kind of like, they're not like a bunch of weirdo kind of survivalists or anything. They're kind of like almost like crunchy hippie, like hipster couple. Well, our first red flag is that they've been house hunting for a while. And they keep saying, oh my God, the the housing industry is out of control. There's nothing in our price range. The further they look, it's not getting any better. All of a sudden this house hits the market they scoop it up in like one day. 
Like it's, it, right. they, they grab it up. They're very lucky. Everybody's like, holy shit, you're so lucky to have gotten this great house at this great price. Red flag, right? So they right. moved there very quickly from Denver, a great bustling city. They moved to this outskirts of absolutely nowhere. They've got their golden retriever dash with them. Right. They move in very, within a few days of moving in, the, the older neighbors from a few miles away come by and- Yeah, and we should say they're on like essentially- a ranch that's on like multiple acres of property, but it's the small ranch of the area. Yeah. Like, yep. And the, there's essentially three in this valley, and they're the little tiny ones. It's acknowledged that everyone else in the area, they're all ranchers and they own like hundreds of acres all around them. Like, like they are ranches. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so they move into this smaller of the ranches and you, the older couple next ranch over stops by with a bundle of wood welcomes them in and then tries to have a like tries to introduce themselves in the warmest sweetest possible way but also uh-huh. very quickly have to have a very awkward and weird conversation with them <laughs> right yeah okay so right. um the awkward and weird conversation is like hey welcome to the property so glad to have you as neighbors um there's a really weird malevolent spirit that lives here and every season you have to do a series of rituals to keep it away yeah. Obviously, the husband who suffers from PTSD is like, get the fuck out of here. You're crazy. The wife who's a little yeah. more spiritual and new agey is like, well, you know, let's be cool. They don't seem crazy. Maybe we should listen to them. So she's kind of the softer side. She's right. also um, she's the more logical of the two, even though he is more uh, well, reality. She's and they and they make a point like one of his problems is that he does a lot of like acting without thinking, yeah, mm-hmm. about the consequences, and that gets them into some trouble later, which we won't spoil. But so yeah. for every season, you there is a specific ritual that has to be done in a certain right. order in order to keep this malevolent spirit away. So our, yeah, because it manifests differently every season. Right. So talk more about the seasons. Okay. So. The first season is the spring, mm-hmm. which is like, and they're like, this is the easiest one where they have a pond kind of out back of their uh, ranch house. And it's like, you'll see this light in the pond. Mm-hmm. And when you see the light, you have to go start a fire in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And once you start a fire, the light goes away and everything's fine. But if you wait too long, you don't start a fire. Then you're going to hear drums mm-hmm. like coming from the mountains. And at that point, it's too late to start the fire. So now you just have to lock it's everything down. Lockdown. Shut down the house, pull down like insane shades, hide in your house. Do not leave until the drumming stops. Otherwise you're fucked. Right. Right. Yeah. And you can, and you can't let anything into the house. Yeah. So that's the spring ritual. Mm -hmm. I think we can talk about all the rituals without spoiling anything because they're spelled out pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it's like how they actually play out is where the horror comes from. So the summer ritual is the most fucked up one, (laughs) at least. It's actually it's it's actually not the most fucked up one, but it's the one that sounds the most fucked up. Yeah, yep. It's the bear hunt uh-huh. or the bear chase. Yeah, where you will hear someone screaming for help. You'll look up and you'll see a naked man running towards you, begging for help, and behind him a big black bear will be chasing him. But they'll be oddly running very slow, like they'll be moving very slow. So the ritual here is you just have to like put something between you and them and you cannot let the man get close to you because the man is the threat, not the bear. Right. And that's very important that the man is the threat. And if you can, like if you have a gun, kill the man. Kill the man. That was clear. Right. Which goes against your nature. Yeah. Kill the man, not the bear. 
right? Right. Also, if there's even so much as like a low fence between you and the man, you're fine. You're totally Yeah, fine. he can't get to you. He can't get he can't, to you. He can't climb the fence or like, yeah. Yeah. He's just going to stand there and bag. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you either wait for the bear to come chomp on him and tear him apart and drag him off into the woods, mm-hmm. or you shoot him. And then right. the bear and they, will And they drag say, it's better if you shoot him. You kill the man, it's better the bear will drag him away. If you wait for the bear to get him, it's more gruesome and horrifying. It's, yeah. it's grosser. So just- It's sort of like more. you might as well kill him because like otherwise you're going to see him get disemboweled and right. stuff. And like, yeah. um, which we do. I'm, no spoilers, but we do see at least once. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's the summer ritual. And then the fall ritual, which again, sounds not that bad until it actually plays out, yeah. is the scarecrows. Mm-hmm. Which is, you'll just wake up and you'll find these scarecrows around your property and they'll be like close to your house. So they might be up like on your porch. Mm -hmm. And like, you have to just like drag the scarecrow off like far enough away from your house and burn it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And again, sounds pretty simple until it's not. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the setup for everything. And then, I mean, I don't know how much deeper we want to go into plot stuff because uh, I definitely think this is not... Yeah, the, like you get that set up pretty quick, but then, like I said, the way it plays out yep. is where the horror comes from. And I don't, we should, probably shouldn't spoil like the specific. I thought this story instance. was so creative, so yeah. fun. It is so fast moving. There's, there's no, like, there's no fat I would trim out of this book. No. It wasn't like a lot of dead air. It was like, shit starts happening right away and it carries through. We're not just, we're not just like wading through each season. The horror is so fun and so unique. I just, I loved everything about it. Well, what, like, there's a couple things, like, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but it's like, you know, you'll hear the, the the ritual described and it almost sounds silly. Mm-hmm. And then you see it and it's like very, there's something very off about it. So like the light, it's like, okay, there's a light in the, the pond. Well, that's not that big deal. But then it's like, like, you almost can't look at the light. Like, if you look away, then the light has moved. So it's like there's something unreal about it. Same thing with, like, the bear and the man. And, like, I don't want to get too detailed about that. No, but there's just something off about the man. You know what I liked? I liked that this strikes me as modern horror. I mean, how many times yeah. have you read a book or watched a movie and you're like, well, why don't they just fucking do blah, blah, blah? In this book, they do those things. The things that you're right. thinking, why don't they just fucking try this? Or let wouldn't right. try that? They try all of those things. Um, I feel like Harry, the man, takes almost a scientific approach and that's where like he he will sometimes do things without thinking through the consequences totally but he's but he starts experimenting he's experimenting with the horror and the the ritual and he's like well what happens if i try this and then you you see what comes of it and you're like oh shit that's that's maybe what i would have tried i would have experimented with the horror let's see like what happened you know there's a specific moment and i don't want to say exactly what it is but he makes a very bad choice Uh uh-huh in his experimenting. I'm not even going to say what ritual it was. You'll probably know. But he basically does the exact wrong thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's the wrong thing that's like, I know I would have done at least once. Because it's like, you're just like, but what would happen? Yeah. Right. Also, it's worth noting, the ritual happens multiple times throughout a season. So right. the, the light movement will happen multiple times. The bear chase will happen multiple times throughout one season. It'll there always is, be the same man. Right. So there is the opportunity to experiment with what you do in that exact situation a couple times. As you're teaching yourself how to combat that season's, you know, spirit. right. 
And then, no, I agree with you. I like that. The, like, it's definitely a folk horror story. Like, it, it's, it falls fully in, into the folk horror camp. But I like, like you said, it's a very modern approach to that. Mm-hmm. It's usually when we're talking about folk horror. I think you've read the book um, Harvest Home. Yes. I think we've talked about yes. that. Yes. Tom Tran. Like, that's like classic folk yep. horror. Yep. You know? The Wicker Man. Uh, there's a, you know? What, what like, was that? The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man is folk yeah. horror. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've seen the movie Midsummer, it's yep. folk horror. Totally. It's like ancient rituals and, you know, a very woodland culture. The Witch is yep. folk horror. Yep. And a lot of times these movies are set in the past or they're dealing with the past or, like you know. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this is it has all of that. But then, like you said, it like has a very modern approach to it. Yeah. Where it's like, these are very modern people. They're not inclined to believe the, like, superstition. Right. And, and I like that there is this opportunity to experiment with the horror within like you yes it's not necessarily a safe way that they're experimenting it is not a controlled way but they have the opportunity several times throughout the season to say like okay what happens if i do this or try this because that's what modern humans would do they would experiment with it you know yeah exactly and i know myself well enough to know and like i think like as i was reading this you know uh my friend Corey. you've Mm -hmm. met Corey. Uh, I don't. I, I think I've mentioned it before. Corey is the cinematographer I work with on film stuff all the time, and Corey's one hundred percent the person. He, and he'd be like me, where you know, be like, let's let, let's fuck with this a little bit. So there's like a couple things Harry does. I'm like Corey, one hundred percent would have done that. Totally. And like, but also which, like which I think also, I probably which I would have done it. It too. serves to instigate the spirit. You can see that it is some of it is. It you know he instigate. He's experimenting, but he's also the one to instigate and to ruffle feathers whereas right. the wife is much more she's more in tune with nature she's more one to say like let's honor the spirit let's, let's just let's, let's just go on just just do the ritual just put it to bed we know what we're supposed to do just do that she's more inclined yeah. to take that approach which i i actually right. really love the dichotomy between them yes harry is incredibly frustrating because he does instigate he does things the wrong way sometimes and you're like jesus fucking christ just Get over yourself. Just accept that this is a crazy, malevolent spirit. You know, he doesn't want to just accept it. And and I appreciate that that is, he. it's like two two sides of humanity. You know, like you've got, yeah. well, you've got people who would be more embracing of this crazy natural spirit and people who would say like, fuck that, let's get to the bottom of this shit. Right. And like, and one thing I like, so I read a couple of reviews of the book and some of them were from like just horror bloggers, not even like professional reviews. And like one consistent thing is people bringing up that they didn't like Harry as a character. And there was one that basically said like the book, like Harry ruined the book for her because he was so frustrating. And so like, and she interpreted him as being misogynistic, which I think is a stretch. But, and I was like, I, I was like, I get it. I get why people have that reaction, but to me, and maybe because I just saw enough of myself in him, and again, like, I'm not a vet returned from Afghanistan, Marine trained, whatever, but I have that same poke the bear kind of instinct, uh, so to speak, you know, just like, I could go along, or I could just, like, fuck with it a little bit, and it's a little bit that impulse of, you know, like, they always talk about you're standing on a high ledge, and it's like, I could jump. Mm Mm-hmm. What would happen if I jumped? <laughs> and that's like a little bit like Harry, you know, like he, and he's not trying to hurt anything, but he right. does make a couple really bad decisions that have like really bad consequences. Right. And you know what, you know what's funny? He also realizes it too, which I think helps is that he, yeah. 
like you see growth in his character you do he kind of realizes that like oh i fucked up yeah i i think he is he, yes he is a very frustrating character particularly in the early stages but I, I do you do see growth over time and you do see him accept like okay that was a really fucking bad decision i fucked up right you know and and he does listen to his wife i think and he's also painted as a really good husband which i think is yeah it redeems him because while while some of his decisions are very short and so like practical and this is how it's going to be, he's also a very dedicated, very sweet husband. So you you realize he has a great dual nature. That's actually one thing I really appreciated about this book. Because like, uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And like, he's frustrating to me the way as a character he should be. You need a character that you're going to be kind of pushing against that is going to be like making bad. Dis- like we go to stories to watch people fuck up. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to watch a movie or read a book where everyone does everything right all the time. <laughs> right. You know, so like, because that's boring. Yeah. But, like, one thing, like, the setup will make you think, here's this damaged guy come back from the war with PTSD. It's very clearly established. Opening scene is him in therapy with his, like, VA psychiatrist, right? Married to this very understanding woman. and But he's got this idea, and it's more his idea than hers, of, like, moving to this kind of off-the-grid sort of... And it's like, this could turn into The Shining really fast. Totally, yep. Like the setup makes you think he's going to go crazy. It's going to, you know. And I really, and I and I don't think it's a spoiler to say, like, that's not what the story's doing. It's no, not, not at all. It's not about yeah. breaking yeah. up their unit or turning him into a villain or, you know. They, they I, I like that it's this depiction of, like, a good, solid marriage. Yeah. From start to finish. Yeah. You know? I, I think it was it was really sweet and endearing that the core is built around two people who like are really truly in love, you know? And like yeah. he tries to see things from her perspective, even when like he ultimately reverts back to like his simple yeah. nature. Well, and he's yeah. very aware. He says multiple times, it's like she's smarter than me, and she's always the one that like she's generally right. Like I should listen to her. Yeah. But just sometimes he can't help himself. Totally. You know? Yep. Another thing I really like just structurally about the book, because it's a very weird way to, and this, I want to talk about the background of the book, because mm-hmm. I did a little bit of reading about it. It's a very structurally weird thing where it's like everything's spelled out for you very quickly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know what these rituals There's are going to There's no be mystery. Very quick. There's no surprise. There's not much mystery, except there are all these surprises that keep happening. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, so it's like, you know, you get this setup, but it's like right away, yeah, there's there's a malevolent mountain spirit and here's the different rituals and this is how it manifests every year. And it's like on a tape loop. Like it, it just does it every season. It's going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Except when you get into the details. And then there are a few revelations that it's like things they weren't told mm-hmm. right away that we find out later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's is, very well structured. It's not about like, who is this spirit? Why is it doing what it's doing? Let us go up to no. no, it's not about this. It's actually not about the spirit. It's about the human approach to handling a matter that is outside your control. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. And we see all the different people and their different ways of handling it. Yeah. Because you have the older couple next door, Dan and Lucy, who, you know, they've been dealing with this for 40, 50 years at this point. So they're very much like... Yeah. I also I love by the numbers kind of. Thing. You know what I love is that the book ties up. I would say I want to say all the loose ends that I would have identified, and one of the loose ends is like, well, how the fuck did you get your hands on this house? You know, why was right. it below market value? Why was it even listed? And yeah, that that 
plot hole is tied up very quickly, they're like, well, you weren't supposed to buy this. This was an accidental, yeah, an accidental sale. It shouldn't have been listed. It was it, literally, and they, they tie it up very easily through like an administrative situation. Right. But yes, it all comes to pass that they were not meant to have this house. It was not meant yeah. to be for sale. But now it is what it is. Uh-huh. Kind of yep. Yeah. No, I, I I liked that. I liked as we find out some of the backstory of uh previous fa- the previous family mm-hmm. who made even bigger mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you realize, oh, this is how bad things can get. Yeah. You know, if you don't follow the rules and don't uh do the ritual, which goes back to the scientific experiment, because you want to see, like, yeah. okay, how, what are different ways to defeat this, and also how bad can it get you know well that's and that's the thing and again not to spoil anything but we find out that one of the children mm-hmm. in the previous family basically ignored the signs because she wanted to see like what happens next if we don't do x yep. what is y gonna be mm-hmm. and then y turns out to be like really fucking horrifying yeah yeah and, it, and it's tragic you know and it's like so you really get this it's like oh no you don't you don't want to fuck around with this yeah you don't want to fuck around with this uh, ritual and so as we see harry fucking around with it you're like stop mm-hmm. dude <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very stressful it's very stressful but like it's it is it's a very good entertaining book my only complaint about it is i felt like the ending's a little bit rushed oh fucking the ending man like you know maybe i'm asking too much of my like car there was no way that we were going to be able to tie this up with a neat bow at the end you know yeah it, yes, it was rushed. Yes, it does kind of cut it off, not at the knees, maybe at the ankles, you know, where you're just right. like, fuck, oh, you, you tied it. I, I appreciate it was, that you made an attempt to tie it up. I don't think this one could have been tied up, you know? Yeah, it just, it was like, I felt like, and you almost, I was like 98% of what I needed. I just wanted yeah. that little extra 2% right at the end. Yeah, I, um, I, but I that's I, real nitpicky. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, but it isn't because, like, yeah, they they leave it open ended, and you're like, well, I don't know, maybe there will be a part two. But I mean, realistically, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, I don't know if I would want a part two though, because I, I think it's sort of perfectly like contained as it is. Yeah, which we should. So that that's a good segue. So, do you know the background of how this book was written? I don't. I don't, I, I I am a lazy sack of shit when it comes to this podcast. I do no research whatsoever. No, no that's that is great. Then, I, then, then I get to look like well. <laughs> Let me be the professor. <laughs> so this was this started on the No Sleep Red. Okay. It, it was started as a. Do you know what No Sleep is? Have you heard of that? No. Mm-mm. So it's a horror. It's like a horror Reddit. It's kind of a creepy pasta type situation. And the basic, I I'll go look at No Sleep every so often, but I don't. I should look at it more than I do. But the kind of rule is like people post stories on No Sleep as if they're true stories. And, like, the rule is, like, you can't comment on it, being like, oh, I love this story. This is very well written. It's like you have to, like, play along. Accept it as it is. Okay. Accept it as real. So it's like, and, like, supposedly there are some stories on No Sleep that are genuinely true stories. So you don't know, like, what is what. Yeah. So this started as uh, a Reddit post on No Sleep Mm -hmm. called, my wife and I bought a ranch in the mountains last year, and my neighbor had some interesting suggestions on how to manage our new land. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you get into it and it's and it's a multi-part thing and i read part i didn't read the whole thing and it's this story i mean it, it is what became the novel old country so it's like part one i'm looking at it now part one is just kind of the setup and then the, and then each subsequent part is like the different rituals so 
part two, the lights, part three, the bear chase, part four, the scarecrow, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like updated as if it's happening in real time. And then you have this, um, you know, the, the uh, comments, like I said, is like people talking as if this is a real situation. That's awesome. So like, you know, the, the fun thing about no sleep or, or creepypasta in general, you mentioned channel zero mm-hmm. that started as a creepypasta. Um, man people are out here on reddit doing cool shit <laughs> yeah like it's it's a way if you're a horror writer or interested in being a horror writer and i haven't really done it i, I feel like i had to get on no sleep and like craft my own little mm-hmm. no sleep thread and see if uh, people respond to it but some of them are definitely better than others some of them are not very good but like this is one of the good ones and like people will post pictures there's a famous one about a cave like people um discovering a cave and then like excavating the cave and then it gets creepier and weirder and like um but they actually have pictures to go along with it and everything and like but this one this was one of the more popular no sleep it came out in 2020 and netflix i believe it was netflix right away optioned it as a movie really and so the reason why it got written the by so so the no sleep the reddit thread was written by matt query Uh who's one of the brothers he's the lawyer i believe um but once the movie deal happened he brought in his brother harrison who is more who was already kind of working as a writer i think was working in the film it was like let's let's develop this together and for i'm not sure why they made the choice to start with a novel rather than just dive immediately into a screenplay yeah but they decided to turn it into a novel and it's been a huge hit a lot of buzz like i said i hadn't heard of it but then as i started reading up on it I realized, oh, this is like a real buzzy book. Like people are talking about it, and then it's supposedly in pre-production or production. Like I think the Netflix movie will be coming. So. That's fucking awesome! I am thrilled yeah. to hear that. Um, yeah, it's been a long time since I stumbled on like a horror novel that I thought was so like clean and fast paced and also right. did not leave plot holes. Like it left no crumbs. It just yeah fucking cleaned as it went I was like this is so tight it carried it was one of those things where like I I would get home from like a long drive and sit in my driveway for another 20 minutes just like listening to the next chapter I was right enthralled with this book yeah see I didn't I didn't do it over audible because I was homesick (laughs) so I was just reading it on my kindle but it was definitely a thing of like I couldn't put it down like once I really got started I, I was just like in for the whole thing and I'm going to try. I'm, I'm putting it out there into the universe right now. I'm going to try and get these guys on my podcast. Um, I don't. I've already looked into it. I don't. I have no idea how to contact them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, if anyone has any ideas, it was like or knows these guys, and was like, hey, you guys should go on this this goofballs podcast. Uh, pass the word along because I would love to talk about how this thing came together because I just think. It is so smartly written. It's so, like you said, just creatively uh, conceived. Yeah. It's it's one of the best straightforward horror novels I've read in a really long time. So. Yeah. Um, and they have the second book, I think, supposed to come out this summer. I, it's not, uh, I don't think it's related story-wise. It's just uh, they've decided to keep writing books together. I also like the idea it's like two brothers working yeah. together. That's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I, I'm all on board with these guys. And that's exciting to hear that it's going to be um, turned into a Netflix movie. Yeah. Well. I think it's, I'm saying Netflix. It could be Hulu. No, it's Netflix. Like, I, I just it is Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be talking straight out of my ass, but yeah, no. That's yeah. awesome. And it'll make a really good movie. Like, I I am dying to see The Bear Chase. 
yeah like actually portrayed on film like i think that'll be if they do it right that'll be real weird and yeah. real scary yeah i know yeah, yeah I, I it's been a long time since i i mean i talk about jordan peele stuff a lot because i just i like a fresh take on horror it, it's uh-huh. challenging we get into like spirals of the same shit and this just felt very fresh and very modern yeah well like well that's like so like back to i don't want to pick out the movie too much more but like you go back and look at a movie like suitable flesh mm-hmm. which like i said you know it's based on lovecraft it's kind of got an interesting like core concept but you know one of the things that i think really kind of hurt that movie is it was leaning too much on you know it was sort of like like i said it was kind of half it ended up in this halfway between like being a nostalgia piece and then trying to actually be like a genuinely effective scary movie Mm -hmm. and it's like what i liked about old country and i would say this about the invitation too is it's like you know yes old country is full core but it feels like you said it feels so modern so like new the way the story is told feels very different than the way these stories are usually told Mm -hmm. so it just felt very original and fresh like you said i felt like a fresh take on an old so it's not a nostalgia piece it's like a fresh take on something yeah you know Mm -hmm sort of a classic trope and you know even that ending like the last few sentences they're they're kind of funny and how like yeah. abrupt they are you know like it, yeah it is kind of the delivery of it is kind of funny you know yeah <laughs> yeah i liked where i liked where the ending went i just felt like it happened a little i wanted like five more pages of the end i i know? totally get it i i wanted it to wrap up neat and clean and beautifully and that's that is probably unfair of me to have expectations coming out of something that was so fresh and different it, yeah it, it was it was a funny take on how it wrapped up you know and i didn't hate yeah. i didn't hate i remember getting out of the car and i was like fuck and then i was like you know what i don't hate it i respect yeah i didn't hate the ending, i respect for sure. the decision that was made i respect it yeah I, it the problem is the book was so good i just want more I'm just selfish. Yeah, I had the, I had a very similar thing when I read um the book NOS forty two, uh the Joe Hill oh, book. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's and it's a much longer book, but I lo- I mean it's one of my favorite. I think Joe Hill. I mean I don't know if we've talked about him much. Oh, oh, here, oh. But I almost think he's like he might be better than his dad. Wait a second. Let's talk but about Joe like... Hill for a hot second. Cause okay. hot on the heels of old country, I read Joe Hill's short story The Pram, which was um, I think it was an Audible exclusive. Right. Loved it. I fucking loved it. Speaking also, I mean, I'm realizing that I love full core because this was again another full core piece. It was set in Vermont. Yeah, I I think you you ought to go back and watch. Um, I talked about it with Josh Schlossberg on uh recent ep- last episode of the last year, the movie movie Hagazusa. Which is like it's a it's like kind of like the witch, but German and a lot weirder. Yeah, I mean that. Um. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) no, I do think that that seems like your thing is like folk horror. Yeah. Um. Have you read the Pram? I I have not read that one yet. I know of it, but loved it. Short story. Like I did it on Audible. So again, I I speak in terms of like listening time. It was only three hours of listening time. So it was. Uh It was the amount of time it took me to drive home from Vermont back to Boston, and it was like perfect. It was taking place in an area that was either in Vermont or very much like Vermont. And so I was like, in the location, it was really easy to be like, fuck, this is so scary, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, again, like really fun, really quick, fast paced short story. I'm not going to say it was as compelling and amazing and fresh and new as Old Country, but really fun. And I, I, well, 
I think Joe Hill is like has taken the torch and is running with it. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think he's he's but I have not read um the Fireman, which is I, I think his most recent. Not, that, that's like a couple years old at this point, but or a few years old at this point. But I've read a lot of his stuff, and what I was gonna say about NOS Forty Two is I thought it was almost a perfect book, but I I had the same thing of like I just wanted a little bit more from the end, and I think it was almost what you said was like part of it was just i didn't want to leave that world yeah yeah i wasn't quite ready to like leave what a compliment on. to pay yeah. a book is i wish it wouldn't end you know and then yeah you, exactly. you get angry when it's over that was right that was kind of how i thought about old country i don't think it was quite the way it wrapped up it was just the fact that it fucking ended and i was bummed you know <laughs> yeah that's that's a little bit how it was because i that's back to the characters i just really liked spending time with harry and sasha and right? of course dash yeah like that I just I want Dash to be like my golden retriever. Totally, like the best dog. <laughs> like yeah, Harry's frustrating, but you do the way they're written. They feel like you're very invested in them as characters and yeah. humans. They're not just characters. You're like, wow, this is such a go. It's an easy environment to slip into, like mentally, imagination wise. It feels very warm and comforting. You know. Yeah. It's. I think it's going to be a comfort. You're talking about uh, the invitation is maybe a comfort watch. Yep. I actually think Old Country is going to be a comfort read for me because I think it'll be one that I return to. I'll you know, it's funny. My favorite when I meet with um when we have Stephen King book club meetings talked about SKBC on here before. Whenever we have meetings, we always talk about like our favorite Stephen King books, and I um my co book club member Chrissy and I always describe our favorite King books as feeling like you're just slipping into a warm bath. You know, like yeah. And like Duma Key is like that for me. It just feels so warm and comfortable right. when you get back. What's well, the idea of, of what they call cozy horror? Yes, totally. And like, and I would say to me, Old Country is like, it's actually a good example of cozy horror. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, where like there's something very warm and cozy about it. Like you want, you kind of want to be in this cabin, like with their fireplace, and like yeah. cuddled up with the dog on the couch or whatever. But then at the same time, there's like fucked up. <laughs> spirit outside you know like yeah well so Um, so going back to the pram which i would also clock absolutely 100 full car um great short story and just again like high level premise um husband and wife i forget if they're on vacation or if they're i think they're on vacation you can walk through the woods behind the house to this little country store uh, across the oh. way, owned by, I want to say a German family. It's always the, the poor Germans really get the flack for like the weird um, horror shit, right? <laughs> it's funny because we just talked about this on the weirdest thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, cute little general store. And it's like, it's a very cozy place. It's very welcoming. It's run by this adorable family. And the guy goes, he walks through this beautiful wooded area. He's feeling very at one with nature, goes to the store, buys more stuff than he can physically carry back and the shop owner says oh um let me get you like a cart or something i know where you guys live just you know wheel all your shit home and then bring the cart back when you're done so he goes out to the this garage back and he brings out an old pram an old baby carriage essentially Uh, the guy acknowledges he's like oh my god i'm so embarrassed to be like wheeling a baby carriage full of groceries home but i don't have any other choice right he takes the baby carriage full of groceries home and pretty quickly he forms like a weird um connection with this pram this baby carriage and then Things start to happen and there is this hint that there is a metaphysical 
baby inside the pram. Like once the garbage is out, there is there's a lot to suggest that there is a baby inside this pram. Okay, even though you can't okay. see it, you can't touch it, but things around it are happening. He can like hear the suggestion of a baby cry. He hears baby giggles. It and it's I liked it because it wasn't it wasn't a woman in that role. It wasn't yeah. playing. It wasn't. Um, if you had put a woman in that role, I think you could have written it off as oh she just wishes she had a baby she's in it's, it's very cliche it is so yeah. fucking cliche by but but by putting a man in that role and having him envision that there is actually a baby in this pram and then of course without spoiling anything things take a fucking left-hand turn but sure um it wraps up in a really cool way it's very folk horror i'm not gonna say it's the craziest most refreshing thing i've ever read but it was fun it was fucking okay well i'll check that out because i love joe hill that that is what i have not caught up with yet so. yeah yep great cool. short story like when you're up late one night yeah that's perfect well maybe tonight <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean um joe king versus um sorry joe hill versus stephen king i do think that his writing is tight and clean and concise he does yeah. he doesn't like chew the scenery like king can do where you've got like four yeah. of description like i think joe hill does a really good job allowing his books to be edited down to like the meat and potatoes you know yeah even even a longer book like nos 42 feels much more propulsive than some of his father's stuff mm -hmm. like i would say like i think where i'm at with him right now is i think he's taking a lot of the best things uh from his father yeah in terms of influence but he's definitely got his own voice and i think he's so far avoided some of the i mean i love stephen king we've talked about it yeah but we all know what the where, where the problems are <laughs> and, and so far joe has like avoided a lot of those pitfalls about like like you said like padding things out sort of limping to an ending yeah like, yeah he's definitely i think it's like you got you've got the best of King with like this new voice on top of it. So I'm always excited to to see what he's doing next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one. If I could ever get Joe Hill on this damn podcast, that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Mandy, for coming on again. Um, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to check out my next episode coming up in a couple weeks. I'm going to have the director, Tom Eberhardt, on. He's going to talk about his career, including the classic 1980s cult horror comedy, Night of the Comet. After that, I'm going to have author Gwendolyn Keist on. She's going to talk about her upcoming novel, The Hunting of Velkwood. Don't forget to check out the show Nighttime Logic on YouTube. That's from a friend of the pod, Daniel Brom. You can find that at, at DanielBrom7838 on YouTube. Uh, his most recent episode was called The Monstrous and the Terrible, and that was with the great Brian Evanson. Remember, if you are enjoying this podcast, go to whatever streaming platform you're using. Leave five stars, leave a review, tell your friends, spread the word on social media. And I'll be back with you guys again in a couple of weeks.